Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. of a series that we started last week called Who Do You Think You Are? Turn to your neighbor, look at him and say, who do you think you are? Well, what we're going to learn is we're going to learn the importance of understanding and embracing our true identity. Because I really do think that for many people, this is an issue that is a major issue in their life and they may not even quite realize or understand the magnitude of that issue in terms of all of the different areas that it truly impacts in our lives and we're going to talk in more detail about that but I'm just curious I know I've been in this situation before and I'm sure you have encountered this as well and maybe you've even thought about this here recently but have you ever been in a situation Maybe you're trying to make a major decision, a career decision. You know, it's a financial decision. Or maybe there's just something that's going on that's very significant in your life. Maybe it's one of those fork-in-the-road moments. And have you ever found yourself simply thinking or even saying to yourself, I just wish that God would speak to me in an audible voice so that I would know exactly what I'm supposed to do and what his plan and what his, what his purposes are and what his perfect timing is for my life. Anybody ever thought about that? Anybody ever just wish that God would speak audibly to us? I mean, think about it. If he were to do that, from our perspective, it would certainly make life a lot easier, right? It would kind of cut through the fog. It would help just bring clarity to a lot of things that maybe we often need direction or maybe a sense of assurance when it comes to what it is we're supposed to be, what it is we're supposed to do, and how we're to carry out God's perfect will for our lives. And I think a lot of that really has to do with this issue of identity. And here's the reason why. Moses actually had that experience. We talked a lot about Moses last week, and we're going to continue to build on his life when it comes to understanding our identity, because Moses had the opportunity literally to stand in the presence of God and to hear God's audible voice speak to him. And yet, you would think that would reveal a lot of clarity and a lot of reassurance and comfort and confidence, but yet, on the other hand, it actually stirred up and revealed a lot of insecurities in Moses' life. And we're going to unpack that in more detail in just a moment because I think a lot of us can identify with what Moses encountered in that burning bush experience when he met and he heard God's voice face to face. And so with that, Moses, for those of you who may not be as familiar with maybe the significance of his life and you know really what he means to all of us when it comes to our faith, 
You know, Moses is considered without question one of the greatest leaders of all time that's ever lived, walked on the face of the earth. And not only that, he was obviously one of the greatest, if not the greatest in Old Testament history. When you think about Moses, you know, and what he accomplished, he helped deliver, you know, the, the Jews, he, the Israelites from 400 plus years of slavery. They were living there under the oppression of, of the Egyptians, of, fake, of King Pharaoh and Man, just all that they went through, and yet he was God's man. He's the one that God used to help free the people from slavery and ultimately to lead them to that place that God had prepared, known as the promised land. And, and not only that, he is also the one who's contributed to writing the first five books of the Old Testament. And so Moses had a significant role in our lives, especially as believers, as people of faith, because of the significant role that he played even in history. Do you realize if Moses had not heard the voice of God, had not encountered the presence of God, and had not accepted the assignment from God, do you realize that history would have never changed? Do you realize that the nation of Israel would have never been birth in the way that God had ultimately planned. The reason why all of that has happened and the reason why his life and his destiny and all of history was changed was simply because of an encounter that he had with God. And God spoke to him and in that revelation when God spoke to him and revealed to him what his divine design was and what his divine assignment was Man, it stirred up a lot of things in his life. And it's an incredible story of a person's confused or maybe even mistaken identity. Because just to give you a little bit more backstory, he was born as a Jew. He was a Hebrew. As many of you know a little bit of the story, you know, the, the Jews who were as slaves, the Hebrews who were as slaves, uh, living under the, the bondage and the slavery of the Egyptians, man, it was just a horrific situation. Beaten and battered and, you know, literally worked their fingers to the bone. They were, they were slaves. They were living in this kind of oppression and they were living in this, this kind of bondage every single day, generation after generation for 400 years. Well, over the course of time, the Jews, the Hebrews, they began to populate. In other words, there was a population explosion. And so as a result of that, the king at the time, King Pharaoh, he began to feel threatened. And as a result, he ordered a decree to kill all of the firstborn, all, basically all of the, the male children, the firstborn male children. And so as a result of that, he basically issued a genocide. And so out of fear... Uh, Moses' mother at the time, after she gave birth to Moses, decided that she was going to, she was going to hide her baby boy. So what did she do? She put her baby boy in a basket and she literally let him go in faith, hoping and praying that somehow, some way, he would be found and he would be freed from someone killing him. Well, she lets him down the river of the Nile, and there, spontaneously, it just so happened to be that 
a time of day where Pharaoh's daughter was bathing and suddenly she sees this basket coming along and, and when she looks and she discovers there's a, a baby boy in this basket that was floating, she told some of her servants to, to take that child and she began to realize it was a Hebrew, it was a Jewish little boy, but she wanted to take that child as her own. And as a result, she raised Moses in Egypt as an Egyptian, even though Moses was born as a Hebrew. And basically, Pharaoh's daughter was going to say, I'm going to pretend as though he is my very own child. Well, as Moses began to grow and develop, as he became a young man, he began to realize that there was something different about him. That something was not right. He began to realize he was living a lie. That his true identity was not perhaps what he was living. Because he was living as an Egyptian, but yet he identified with the Jews, the Hebrews. And one day he saw the oppression. He saw two Egyptians who were, who were basically beating one of the, the Hebrews. And, and he just basically took it upon himself out of righteous anger and he killed the Egyptian who had been so uh, detrimental to these Hebrews to the point where word got out and eventually got back to Pharaoh. Well, you can imagine Pharaoh, he was ticked and he instantly wanted Moses to be killed. And so Moses, out of fear of his life, he ran. The Bible says he literally ran to a place called Midian. And what's interesting is that here Moses is fleeing for his life. He finds himself literally on the backside of the desert. And for 40 years, he's living this life of obscurity. So here he is, still struggling with a sense of identity. Still trying to figure out what God's plan and what God's purpose is. Really just trying to discover, who am I? Why am I here? What is the purpose of my existence? And in this moment, as he's just out tending basically his father-in-law's flock at this time, because now he, he's married and, and now he's out tending to you know, the sheep and he's out there doing his thing as a shepherd, when all of a sudden something catches his eye. And he sees this bush, and this bush is on fire. And he's thinking to himself, that is wild. I've never seen anything like that. It, it not only gets his attention, but he becomes so intrigued, he gets closer and closer and closer to this burning, unconsumable bush of fire. And here's where we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 3, verses 9 through 10. And it says these words. This is God's audible voice speaking to Moses. So again, remember, if you've ever found yourself saying, God, would you just speak to me? God, would you just please fill in the blank? Would you please answer the question that I have on what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? What is your plan? What is your purpose? What is your will for my life? If you would just speak to me, I promise you, I will do the very thing that you tell me to do. Keep that in your mind. Because God spoke to Moses. And in Exodus 3, verses 9 through 10, it says, And now the cry of the Israelites, God says, has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now... 
He's telling Moses, go. Turn to your neighbor and say, go. Not right now, after I'm finished, okay? But what did God say? He said, I want you to go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So God speaks audibly, directly, specifically to Moses in this moment through a burning bush. And in this moment, God gives Moses literally the assignment of the lifetime. Can you imagine in this moment, you being Moses, hearing the audible voice of God, and God giving you a divine assignment, a plan, a purpose, and says, I'm choosing you to go and take all of those people, approximately 2 million people, out of Egypt, and I'm calling you, I'm choosing you, I'm asking you to go get them, and I want you to take them from that point all the way to a place that I am preparing that they will have as a new home. Well, as you can imagine, in this moment of confusion, in this moment of overwhelm, because Moses was probably asking as he's out there on the backside of a desert for 40 years contemplating, God, who am I? Why am I here? What is your purpose for my life? What do you want me to do? Am, am I a Hebrew? Am I an Egyptian? He's processing this confusion of who he truly is, his true identity. He's wrestling with all of these emotions. He's, he's living this life of confusion. And God gives him clarity. And God gives him an assignment. And through the clarity and through the assignment of hearing God's voice, here is what we see unfolding in a conversation between Moses and God. Any of you ever had a conversation with God before? You know how you have a conversation with God? Read the Bible. Because God speaks to us through his word, we speak to God through prayer. So if you've ever said to yourself, well, man, I just wish I could have a conversation with God. You can. Anytime, any place, all you need is just to get into the word of God. Because God's will is found in God's word. Come on, somebody. That's pretty good right there, right? I mean, that's helpful to know that I can talk with God at any time, any place, in any moment, I can talk with God, I can have a conversation with God, and I can hear from God, and I can receive what it is that God wants me to do with my life. I can also receive who I am in Christ based on the truth of the Word of God. God's revelation to us, God's love letter to us, God's spoken word to us. So we don't have to encounter a burning bush, we can just literally encounter the pages of scripture each and every day to allow God to speak to our hearts. So in this conversation, here's what's amazing. There are several questions and what I would call excuses that Moses begins to give to God in this conversation. So God says, okay, I'm choosing you. I want you to go and I want you to get the people and I want you to 
free my people and I want you to take them out of Egypt, out of bondage, and give them an opportunity for freedom to live in a place that I have prepared for them. So excuse number one is, well, who am I? Who am I? Exodus 3 verse 11 says it this way. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? You know what Moses was basically saying and what he was basically feeling and experiencing in that moment? He was feeling insecure. He was feeling insecure about who he was. He was wrestling with his identity. He was still unclear, uncertain who he truly was. And as a result, he simply vented that back to God. He's basically saying, well, who am I? Like, why are you picking me? Here's what I've learned. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He's just simply asking you and me, hey, are you willing to receive the assignment that I'm giving you? Are you willing to embrace the identity that I have given to you? So, who am I? He's facing this issue, this real dilemma of feeling insecure. And what was God's response? He basically says, it doesn't matter who you are. What you need to know and be reminded with is that I am with you. That's powerful. Now listen, no matter how insecure you might be in your workplace, with the role, the assignment that you have, no matter if you're a student, maybe how insecure you are stepping into new places or new circles of people, or maybe you're in a situation or a new season in your life and you're feeling very insecure about who you are, your abilities, or whether you're qualified, or all of the things that the enemy uses to defeat us and to intimidate us, here's what you need to understand. What God initiates, God also orchestrates. So God all along was orchestrating on the backside of a desert for 40 stinking years. Moses, he's, I mean, he's a, living in this life of obscurity. I mean, he has virtually no social life he just gets up he works every day he does his thing but yet he's wrestling with all of this insecurity he's wrestling with all of these these issues in his life and through these issues of his life he's basically saying do I have a do I have a life that's worth living do I have a plan that I'm supposed to fulfill do I have a purpose in my life and God is setting him up this entire time using those 40 years of preparation to position him and to position a group of people for a moment that God had orchestrated all along. God knew all along what he was going to do, how he was going to do it, when he was going to do it, and who specifically he was going to call and choose to help make it happen. Well, don't you think that God had a plan and a purpose for little baby Moses to be given up by his mother and be put in a basket and to be put in faith, literally in a basket to float down the river? Don't you think that God had orchestrated and navigated the details to protect that baby boy and to ultimately orchestrate the flow of that Nile so that that basket would go directly to Pharaoh's daughter? 
Don't you think that God orchestrated all of those situations and details in Moses' life to suddenly now give him the opportunity, give him the exposure, give him the influence, give him all that he needed when it came to the people he knew and the position that he had to be raised in Pharaoh's court, to be raised as an Egyptian, even though he was born a Hebrew. God knew all of those details. He orchestrated all of those things when he initiated the call on his life and brought it all together. And God just simply said, it doesn't matter who you are, all you need to know is that I am with you. Come on, somebody. So, hey, can I just encourage you? If you ever feel like, man, I just don't know. I don't, I don't, this is way out of my league. This is over my head. I mean, I don't, this, there's no way. If you ever find yourself with insecurity, self-doubt, Lacking confidence. Can I just remind you, listen to me, listen, 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 listen. The most important thing you need to plant inside your mind and believe in your heart is that me plus God equals a majority. That's all I need. Because if God is for you, then who in the world can be against you? And God is reminding Moses, I am all you need. He's basically saying, I am with you. Another excuse, he says, <laughs> and this is, a, this, is a, this is a response that Moses now gives back to God. And he's saying, well, who are you? Who, okay, tell me your name. I, I've never heard from you before. I, you, know, I, you and I have never met. You know, I, I don't really know who you are. So Moses is asking God the question, well, who are you? Exodus 3, verses 3, 3, excuse me, 3.13 says it this way. So Moses protested and he said, if I, go to, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they'll ask me, well, well what is his name? Then what should I tell them? I love this. Because basically in this moment, Moses is questioning God's authority. He's questioning his validity. He's questioning his credentials. He's questioning, hey, I, I, I don't, I mean, I don't, if I go, I don't know that I'm going to make it out alive. And if they start asking questions, I don't have a clue what I'm going to say. I mean, if they ask me one question, I mean, I'm going to be like a deer in the headlights because I won't have a clue on why I'm there. And you know what God told him? He said, not only am I with you, but he said, I am who I am. I am ever present and I am all you need. So basically what God was giving Moses, when Moses asked God the question, well, who are you? Basically, what am I supposed to tell these people when it comes to who sent me? When I go and they say, well, who sent you? That feeling of uncertainty, God was giving him the certainty that he needed, that he was representing the ever-present, almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful God. So once again, Moses is feeling all of the feels. 
he, he's feeling the, the, the insecurity. He, he's feeling the uncertainty. But then he throws out another excuse. Well, what if they? Have you ever had those what if? Or what if this doesn't happen? Or what if this? Or what if that? Or what if those people? Or what if this situation? Or what if? I mean, we all have the what ifs, right? Well, here's what Exodus 4.1 says. But Moses protested once again in this conversation. They're going back and forth. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? So now he's having these self-doubts. Now he's having fear that's kind of like paralyzed him. Because what if they say this or what if they do that? And now all of a sudden he is paralyzed by fear. Listen, we've all been in those situations where we step out in faith and believe God for something. We step out in faith and trust God for something. Maybe it's a new job opportunity. Maybe it's even giving our finances, honoring God and trusting God in the area of our tithe. Maybe it's stepping out in a a place to to maybe fulfill a ministry opportunity through volunteering. Maybe it's stepping out and doing something that you've never really done before. And all of a sudden you're gripped with a feeling of fear because of the insecurity and the uncertainty. But here's the thing you need to be reminded with, and that is fear only means false evidence appearing real. We've all heard that statement. But here's what we need to be reminded with. God said in Exodus 4, 4, verses 2 through 9, he said, when I am finished, remember God says, hey, what's that? What's that in your hand? He, he said, well, I got a staff in my hand. It's a shepherd's staff. He said, all right, we'll throw it down. He turns into a snake. And I mean, he does all these amazing, I mean, like crazy off-the-wall stuff that God does, performs these miracles, basically to give the reassurance and confidence that Moses needed with the credentials, with the validity, with everything he needed so that he didn't have to go in fear. In essence, what God says, hey, when they, listen, when I do what I do, Their minds are going to be blown. So don't worry about all that stuff. Don't allow the false evidence to appear real. You go go in faith and you go in boldness. And then he throws out another excuse. He says, well, I have never. (laughs) Exodus 4 verse 10 says it this way. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor Since you have spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. So in essence, what Moses is saying is that, hey, I don't have what it takes. I'm not Tony Robbins. You you know, I'm not T.D. Jakes. I'm not Joel Osteen. You know, I'm not Billy Graham. I'm not Mother Teresa. You know, I'm 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 not just phenomenal communicator I barely can speak I it, in most theologians historians believe that that Moses had a speech impediment so he's insecure even in his ability to even communicate and what was God reassuring him he basically said hey Moses would you stop your excuses let me ask you a question who gave you your mouth Who gave you your strengths? Who gave you your ability? Who gave you your gifts? Who gave you your personality? Who gave you what God needed for you to accomplish what God needed you to accomplish? God gives us what we need. So here Moses is throwing out all these excuses. Well, who am I? Who are you? And what if they? And Well, I have never. 
And then I love this last one. He says, hey, use somebody else. He's like, hey, my brother over here, Aaron, hey, he's a good guy. He, lo- he you know, he, you know, he's a priest and he's a, he's a good dude. He's got a good heart. You know, my brother over here, he'll, he'll go, he'll do a better, far better job than I would ever do. He's so much more gifted as a communicator. He's got an amazing, dynamic, outgoing personality. I mean, he'll, he's got the charisma. He'll go in there, man. He'll just like, wow, those people. Use Aaron. He's good. And after this little dialogue, it's funny because God finally kind of like cons- consent. He kind of like gives consent to, to the excuse. And here's what he basically, because Moses is feeling really insecure and inferior in this moment. And here's what God said in his response. He said, okay, you can take Aaron, but just to be clear, I am calling you to be my deliverer. So we just need to understand that in our inadequacies, in our fears, in our insecurity, in all of our questions and all of those things that we wrestle with, that become major issues in our lives, we got to understand that all of those things are tied to our identity. And until we come to the reality and come to the truth of realizing and understanding not just who we are in the eyes of God, but who we, whose we are in and through Christ Jesus, we will always be stuck in this place of confusion when it comes to who we are, why we're here, what we're supposed to do with our life, what God's will is, what my purpose in life and existence is all about. And just like we learned last week, hey, the road that leads to knowing God is the exact same road that leads to discovering your personal identity. So today, I'm going to give you three important things when it comes to living out your identity and being secure in who you are in Jesus Christ. Because whether whether we're willing to confess it, we all have issues. How many of you Know somebody who's got issues. How many of you just so happen to be sitting by the person who has? No, don't do that. How many of you don't have any issues? Nobody? All right, well, that's your issue, Ron. Put that in your pipe and smoke it a little bit. Stir it up. Because what happens a lot of times is that even people filled with pride or arrogance, all of that is rooted in what? Insecurity. So here's the thing we got to realize. God wants us to be secure in who we are in Christ. Because it's only in Christ that we can be secure and have a clear understanding of our true identity. And the first thing that we need to do is we need to change our thinking. We need to change our thinking. One of my great heroes and mentors, somebody that I personally knew. In fact, Michelle and I, uh, 
had spent time with him and he had personally mentored me when I was in seminary as a young adult. I'd spoken to his staff and many of his employees before. His name is Zig Ziglar. He's a world-renowned, he's home with the Lord today, but he had a tremendous influence on my life. Read just about every book he ever wrote, listened about every, what back in the day they called cassette tapes. How many of you ever heard of cassette tape before? All right, well, you know, some, some of the kids are saying, what, what did he say, what is that? Well, it's okay. But anyway, the bottom line is, is that, man, I just used to absorb so much because he helped me overcome a lot of things. And I remember classic lines that he used to say. He would say, listen, you just need to do a check up from the neck up. In other words, get rid of your stinking thinking. And often what he would do is he would say things like, you are what you are. And you are where you are because of what has gone into your mind. But you can change what you are and you can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. Now that might sound like a cool quote from a motivational speaker, but the bottom line is it's true. It's a fact. And it's important that we realize that the only way that we can literally change how we feel about ourselves is to allow those changes to occur in our minds. Because here's the thing that you need to understand. What you feed your mind determines your appetite. What you feed your mind determines your appetite. And what we have to do is we have to feed our minds with the truth that comes from the Word of God. Because if we're not careful, we can begin to listen and not only listen, not only listen, but ultimately to believe the lies from the devil. And our devil is a liar. We need to realize that our adversary, the devil, the enemy, has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to take out, to devour. The Bible calls him the father of lies. He appears as an angel of light. He can take truth and he can pervert it and twist it and distort it to where in the mind and the hearts of people, the truth now becomes a lie and they believe the lies. And you know where it all starts? It starts in our minds. So if you want to change the way you feel, if you are anxious and depressed and you you struggle with worry and fear and and inadequacy and you know all of these insecurities in your heart in your life the reason why you feel those feelings is because you are thinking those thoughts so if you want to change the way you feel then you have to start by changing the way you think you say that's just motivational stuff No, it's the Word of God stuff. Romans 12, verse 2 says it this way. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. In other words, don't, do not conform to the world system, the world's thinking, the world's ways, the world's behavior, their ideologies, their trends. Don't buy into that. That is controlled, manipulated by the things of the world and ultimately is dictated by the evil one. So we have to understand, the scripture says, don't copy that. Don't conform to that. But let God transform you into a new person. So if you want to be a new person, you want to have a new marriage, 
you want to be a new parent in the way you lead and parent your kids. Listen, you want to have new opportunities. You want to be able to reach your full potential. You want to maximize your time. You want to make an impact with your life. If you want to do all of these positive things, if you want your life to change, if you want to be a new person, if you want your life to be transformed, here's where the scripture says you need to begin. Change the way you think. Because the only way you can know to learn God's good and pleasing and perfect will for your life is by starting right here between the ears. And we got to change the way we think about ourselves. Curious. I got a $20 bill up here. How many of you would like this $20 bill? This is buy you lunch right here. But what if I took this $20 bill and I just start folding it up, creasing it, rolling it up, getting it all bent out of shape? Because this is a brand new crisp $20 bill, but not anymore because I just creased it all up. How many of you would still like to have it? Of course you would. But what if I just threw it on the ground and I just started stomping on it and getting my stain from the bottom of my shoes on it and getting it all dirty and all messed up and where it's basically no longer clean and crisp and presentable anymore? How many of you would still like it? Of course we still would, right? Hasn't changed the value of the $20 bill. But here's what many people live with each and every day. Man, they've been soiled by the things of this world. They've, they've made mistakes. Sin, you know, has, has, has been, you know, dominating their life through choices they've made. Or maybe there's been some addictions and bondage or things that they've done that they wish they could undo. Mistakes from their past. And all of a sudden, those people, we, myself, all of us here today, we've all encountered that. We all still struggle with that because of a sinful nature. We all have a bent towards badness. We all have this sinful nature that pulls us towards the things of the world, pulls us into to the fleshly desires, pulls us away from God. And so as a result of that, what happens is, is the further we get away from God and the more disobedient we are with God and the more we are, out, the more we are, we are outside the will of God, the more insecure and confused we are going to become when it relates to our identity. Because so often many people, they wrap up their identity in what they do. Their job, their career, they wrap their identity on maybe things that they've done in their past. You are not what you've done. Listen, your future is not defined by your past. You just got to understand that regardless of whether you've been stained, soiled, stomped upon, abused, mistreated, misunderstood by people and by the things of this world, it does not change who you are in the eyes of God. And you just need to embrace that today. Because when God sees you, he sees you as valuable. He sees you as lovable. He sees you as acceptable, forgivable. He sees you as capable. Why? Because when God sees you, he sees a person who he has uniquely and wonderfully made. And we're going to learn that today and throughout the rest of this series if we're willing to embrace that reality and that truth that we are who God says we are. So when we change our thinking to see ourselves 
and to feel about ourselves the way God sees us and the way God feels about us, it truly is a game changer. Psalm 8, verses 3 through 5 says it this way. Look at the splendor of the skies. Your creative genius glowing in the heavens. When I gaze at your moon and your stars mounted like jewels in their settings, I know you are the the, the fascinating artist who fashioned it all. But I have to ask this question. Why would you bother with puny mortal man or care about human beings? Yet what honor you have given to men, created only a little lower than creator God, crowned with glory and magnificence. Think about this for just a moment. You say, well, Rodney, if I really take that at its word, don't you think that might get somebody a little puffed up with arrogance or pride if they start seeing themselves, you know, as God or just a lower than, than God? No, listen, I want you to do the opposite. I actually want you to believe that. I want you to truly see yourself the way God sees you. I want you to believe what God believes about you. You say, well, I've been divorced. I've, I was abused. I, I, I've had a long-standing addiction in my life. I, I, I've, I've had some things in my past. Don't you think God knows all of that? Moses killed an Egyptian. He was guilty of murder. And yet God says, I'm calling you. I'm choosing you. Because I see you as valuable, lovable, forgivable, acceptable, capable. And I'm calling you because I believe in you. I created you. I've gifted you. And I've given you everything that you need. So I'm telling you, when we start changing our thinking... It begins to change the way we see ourselves. It begins to change the way we feel about ourselves. Why? Because we're now we're beginning to understand and realize that, listen, God loves me. He accepts me. And even though he may not approve of the things that I've done, God still loves me. And he forgives me. And he wants nothing more than for me to fulfill his plan and purpose for my life. So we have to change the way we think. Number two is this. we got to embrace our uniqueness. In Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14, it says it this way. You form me in my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and wove them all together in my mother's womb. And I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. And everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it and how thoroughly you know me, Lord. Do you realize that God knows everything about you? All of your secret thoughts, all of your hopes, your desires, your dreams, your goals, your aspirations. You know what God does? Listen, God takes what I refer to as his GPS to navigate 
our lives, to orchestrate the details of our lives so that we can ultimately be who it is that God created us to be and to fulfill what God purposed on this earth for us to fulfill. And he uses our gifts and he uses our goals in life. He uses our passions and he uses our personalities and he uses our strengths, but he also uses our struggles. GPS. And he weaves all those things together. You know why? Because God has allowed a lot of the things to happen in our lives to prepare us and to position us so that we can even fulfill the greater plan and purpose that God wants us to fulfill. Who better to minister to someone who's gone through the pain of divorce than someone who's gone through the pain of divorce? Who better to minister to someone who's gone through bankruptcy than someone who has filed for bankruptcy? Who better to minister to an inmate than someone who has served time in prison? Who better to minister to an alcoholic than someone who struggled with alcoholism? Who better to minister to someone who has a poor self-image and who is gripped with fear and feeling inadequate and insecure and confused about what God's plan and purpose is for their life than someone who has lived that testimony and has come out healthier and stronger and is walking in freedom because they've discovered who they are and whose they are in Jesus Christ. Are you getting my point? God never wastes a hurt. And he has a plan, and he has a purpose, and he's weaving all of the experiences that we have in life to shape us and to mold us into who he has created us to be. So we have to change our thinking. We have to embrace our uniqueness and then trust God completely. Because that's what Moses had to do. When God says, hey, I want you to go and I want you to free these people, that was overwhelming. But yet at some point, Moses had to step out in faith and trust God. That God knew what he was doing. And he had a plan, he had a purpose. And what he was going to initiate, he was also going to orchestrate to get Moses to fulfill the reason God placed him on this earth. I love what Isaiah 64 verse 8 says. And yet, O Lord... You are our father. We are the clay. And you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. So think about that for a moment. God has taken all of us, his creation, and he's molded us. He's shaped us. He's woven us. He has positioned us. He has perfectly made us and who he needs us to be. You know why? Because there is no other person, listen to this, on the face of the earth like you. You have the perfect DNA God needed to form, make, create. In fact, your parents who made you 
And regardless of how that story unfolds, is still a part of God's sovereign design and plan to put two people together with the exact DNA that God needed them to have as a match in order to make you. There has never been, nor will there ever be in the history of the world, another you. So what I want to encourage you to do today is to change your thinking. Embrace your uniqueness. Embrace who God has uniquely formed you to be. Because he has a divine design that he's placed on your life. To carry out an assignment. To fulfill a purpose in this world that only you can fulfill. To be brighter light to be saltier salt, to, 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 to be positioned, perfectly positioned in a place at work, your career, in school, in your neighborhood, your family, whatever the circumstances might be, to fulfill God's plan and purpose for your life. I want to close with this, and I, wonder, I would encourage you just to jot down this verse of Scripture. This verse had an impact on me when I was in college. And one of my mentors gave me a book called The Calvary Road. It was a book written by a guy by the name of Roy Hessian. It's out of print. It's an old classic, classic book about basically our identity in Christ. And when I read this the other day in the Passion Translation in Galatians 2.20, it just really hit me. And I hope it hits you the way it hit me. Because this is what that book and this is what my mentor tried to reinstill in my heart over and over and over. And the Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, my old identity has been co-crucified with Christ and no longer lives. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For Christ lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me, dispensing his life into mine. God has, listen to this, he has deposited his life into yours through Christ Jesus, if you know him as your Lord and Savior. We have a new identity. We have a new beginning. We have a new purpose through Jesus Christ. Amen? That's our true identity. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, God, for the incredible blessings of being able to walk in faith and to walk trusting you completely. 
Lord, thank you that we can take the pressure off of ourselves of trying to figure it out on our own as Proverbs 3 teaches. Lord, you remind us through your word to trust in you, trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. But in all of our ways, acknowledge you and you will guide, you will orchestrate, you'll navigate our steps. And I pray that today, Lord, that we will no longer look to the things of this world, we'll no longer look to other people, we'll no, no longer wrap our identities and even how we feel or what other people think or we won't tie or attach our identities in our work or what we do. But most importantly, we will find truth, God, when it comes to our identity and seeing ourselves the way you see us. That we are valuable, that we are lovable, that we are acceptable, that we are forgivable, and we are capable in your eyes. And so, Father, I pray that today, that when we feel insecure and we feel fearful and inadequate, overwhelmed, we feel intimidated, we feel inferior, when we compare ourselves with somebody else or we measure our success against somebody else's success or we're trying to be something we're not or, God, we're trying to run down the wrong lane that, God, you didn't create or design or even call us to try to run down. God, help us today hear from you. God, give us clarity. God, give us a sense of destiny like you've given to Moses. And God, when we hear your voice and we receive your calling and God, we receive your assignment of how we're supposed to fulfill that purpose by making the difference in this life. God, I know we're going to feel inadequate. We're going to feel intimidated. We're going to feel unqualified. God, you already know that. But God, thank you that you remind us that you are the great I am. You are our provider. You're our protector. God, your presence goes before us. Your presence is with us. Your presence is in us. Your presence guards our back. God, you take care of us. You give us exactly what we need. So may our hope, may our trust, may our confidence be in you. There are those here today who never put their faith in Jesus. If you've never allowed God to deposit himself in you through his son, Jesus Christ, would you be willing today to pray and invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life? Just say, dear God, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I turn from my sin. And today I believe that you died for me and you came back to life. Today, by faith, I receive you into my life to forgive me and to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for making me brand new. Thanking, thank you for giving me a new identity and a new beginning. And from this day forward, I'm trusting you with all of my heart. Father, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for speaking to our hearts today. And thank you for changed lives that have just taken place in this room today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.
Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.